Hi, folks. Keith Jones here. You're fixing to listen to Front Row Knowles on the podcast. But before we get started, we want to thank the Champions Club and specifically Seminole Boosters for sponsoring our podcast that allows us to bring the podcast to you commercial-free. You know, we are one tribe. We are unconquered. In the last uh, few years, Florida State has built a tradition of excellence. But right now, all of us that are Seminoles are facing a challenge. We've got 20 sports programs, all the coaches, student athletes that are involved. We've got some budget cuts that we're trying to uh, work through due to the pandemic. And right now, we need you. In order to provide all of our teams and student athletes with the best possible opportunity for success, we need your help. We need you to join Seminole Boosters. We need you to renew your membership. We need you to increase your contribution. We need you to consider making a gift. We don't talk heavy-handed like this much, but this is the time to be a little heavy-handed. Help us out. Help Florida State out. Help Florida State boosters out. And most of all, we want to continue to thank the boosters and specifically the Champions Club for sponsoring us and bringing Front Row Knowles to you. Stay tuned and listen. Thanks. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles First Look with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. Front Row Knowles First Look. FSU gets a much-needed first victory of the year, 41-24 over Jacksonville State. It's a team they were heavenly favored to beat, a team they should defeat, but a team that was doing the winning uh, in the early portion of the game. Matter of fact, second quarter, Florida State trailed 14-zip. Then Jordan Travis came on, and boy, what a difference he made. And Keith and I will have a lot of conversation about that. KJ will join me momentarily. We're going to listen to Mike Norvell's postgame show first, uh, but – the story of the game was that Tate Rodemaker got the start. He looked like a freshman, played four drives, took some sacks, threw a pick six. Looked like you'd expect a freshman to, to look in a situation like this and, and felt some pressure. Jordan Travis had been nicked up. They didn't know what they'd get out of him this week. Turns out, a lot. He was the player of the game, got the sledgehammer in the post game, and got to break the rock. Threw for 210 yards. Also ran for 48 yards, threw for a touchdown, ran for a touchdown. Really, the story here is that Jordan Travis – well, we're not going to say he has the arm of Dan Marino. He did show that he can throw the football a little bit, and so it sets up an interesting situation for Florida State as they move forward. KJ and I will break that down. Lawrence Toafili had 99 yards rushing, just missed his first 100-yard game. The, the ground game was solid. So was the uh, pass-catching game as the pass was distributed to several receivers. Defensively, Florida State did a better job of getting off the field, but again, it's a team that they should have overmatched, and uh, ultimately they did, although they had to come from behind to get the victory in this game. Ran up 531 yards of offense, held Jacksonville State to 307 yards. Uh, penalties were in check for, I'd say, the first three quarters. And then late in the game, when it looked like Florida State was going to pull away and get this win, maybe mentally the focus uh, relaxed a little bit because the, the, the total ended up being 10 penalties for 100 yards, which is still way too many. Bottom line, though, Florida State gets a win. They needed it. Maybe they found a quarterback. That's the conversation that Keith and I will have uh, when we – uh, when KJ joins the show here momentarily. But first, let's listen to Mike Norvell, who met the media uh, after the game. Obviously, uh, been a tough start to his career at Florida State with the offseason, the pandemic, and then he gets COVID-19, returned to the facility on Tuesday of this week, and now gets to enjoy his first victory as Florida State wins at 41-24. to This is Coach Mike Norvell after the victory on Saturday night. Well, it was great to be back on the sideline with him. 
you know, there in the first quarter didn't necessarily start it off uh, like we like we envisioned. But, um, like we told the team you know, throughout the course of the week, um, there, there's only so many moments that are come come along you know, through the course of uh, your career that you can really look back to, and you see a, a moment where you decide to make a change. You decide to uh, to go out there and let that be a, a defining moment. And, and you know, really tonight, I think you're down 21 to seven. You know, we had that opportunity, and you know, it, like I said, it didn't go like we necessarily wanted to at the beginning, uh, but it might just went like we needed it to. And to see our team respond, to see them, um, you know, in all three phases, you know, have impact plays, um, you know, just really proud of our guys. And it was great to be in the locker room with them there after the game. You can see the joy, you can see the, um, the excitement of, of winning a game. And it's been a challenge for these guys. They've been through a lot. And, you know, they're just continuing to work. They're continuing to, as I believe, you know, when you're in that moment of adversity, you know, your, your true character is going to show itself. And we talked all week about our response and maximizing the opportunity. And, you know, even against, you know, adversity tonight and a lot of the pressure that some of our guys put on themselves, uh, you know, the, the pressure that's, that's out there. Uh, I thought our guys handled that extremely well and uh, we were able to find a way to, to come out victorious tonight. And, uh, if you could talk about the decision the decision to go with tate and then what um obviously jordan just played an incredible game is, has the have the injuries been what's been holding him back so far? Yeah, you know, um, I, I think when you look through the course of, of the week, you know, um, we had we had a banged up quarterback room, and uh, you know, James had a couple issues that he's working through. Obviously, uh, um, you know, Jordan would like to say that uh, you know, the performance uh, showed from all the work he got in practice, but you know, he really um, you know, missed the majority of this week of work. But uh, you know, it showed. It, it showed really our football team that the, the way that you prepare, you know, and you get to maximize the opportunity you get, you know, physically, uh, but you know, even with Jordan being limited, I mean, the way that he was able to execute the game plan that we had, um, you know, it showed the mental preparation. And, you know, we, you know, we got us some work out of him yesterday in practice. And, uh, you know, we, we said that we would you know, look at how he felt there in pregame. We knew we were going to uh, we knew we were going to be going with Tate, and uh, you know I appreciate the way that that Tate uh, you know, prepared this week, and you really you did some good things in practice, and you know Tate's got a got a you know, great future in front of him. You know obviously it was, you know first start as a, as a true freshman, there's some things that you know he'd like to have back, and and some opportunities, but uh, uh, you know. Jordan told us in pregame that he felt like he that he could go out and, and play at a high level, and and so you know, we wanted to give him that opportunity, looking for a spark, and uh, you know we, we knew that we could potentially get a spark with his legs, but uh, you know you see you, you saw you know all the work that he's put in throughout the, the off season, and you know the opportunities that he's had in ball camp, and what he was able to do with his arm, um, you know just really really proud of that young man, and uh, you know he sees the moment. And uh, you know, excited about what the future uh, you know, can be for him. Uh, you know, we got to make sure that he you know, continues to, to take care of, of himself, and then obviously the, the things that he's doing. Uh, you know, to continue to practice, to continue to develop. But uh, I'm really proud of the way that he played tonight. Next will be Chris Hey, coach, how much does Jordan's legs just allow the offense to kind of find its footing? 
run the ball aggressively. You guys ran the ball very well from the point you entered the game on, not solely because of him making plays, but it seemed like the line blocked better and the backs felt invigorated, I would say. Uh, you know, I think it, it, he provides he provides another threat, and you know, I do think the old line. I mean, uh, that, that group we played a lot of we played a lot of uh, you know people up front, and uh, you know, we had a couple of guys that um, you know were, were out tonight, and uh, obviously uh, some new opportunities for guys to step up. And you know, I think uh, you know Jordan provides that that threat. I thought he did a good job in the run game, forcing uh, you know, forcing the defense to have to account for him. I thought he did a good job of um, on you know. Taking the perimeter when he had opportunities to do that, and then you know, obviously it opened up some some uh, you know some good run lanes for the backs, and you got got to have to credit the offensive line. Um, you know, when you look at the, uh, that type of rushing performance, you were, you were really pleased uh, with the work that uh, that they were able to do, even you know you're playing as many guys as, as we have. Uh, Jordan talked about coming into the season after kind of being a guy who's, I think, looked at more or been used, I guess, more as a, a guy who you think or know is going to be running, wanting to show he has that arm too. I guess how, how nice was it for him to go out there and show that he can make those throws? And what can that do for him as a runner if he's able to kind of keep defenses honest as a passer? Oh no! I mean, no question. There's something that you know I, I've seen in practice, and I've seen I've seen him go out there and, and throw the ball uh, with great velocity, with great accuracy. Um, you know, the thing that was so pleased with tonight is you saw the fundamentals you know, really carry over into the game, and you know, coupled with not really being able to practice as much this week, I think uh, you know that that just is a is a. A tremendous compliment to the young man just to stay focused on on those little things and um, you know when the when the moment uh, was there you know, he definitely uh, uh, you know was was on point you know, had some unbelievable throws down the field I mean really just uh, uh, was it was a tremendous part for the offense and uh, really our entire football team. Coach, something you mentioned that the team was really emphasizing this last week was third down on both sides of the ball and. I believe you all went 10 for 16 on offense and then Jacksonville State only got three of 10. Could you just kind of evaluate how you think the team responded to that challenge that you put forth to them? Uh, you know, it's something we work a lot on. Um, you know, we know that it's going to be critical in every game. I was glad to see that we were able to, to extend drives offensively. It allowed us, I think we had, you know, 84 snaps on offense and, you know, we were able to mix the tempo. Uh, we also had the ball, for, you know, 34, almost 35 minutes, which is something that, that you want to be able to see. Um, you know, it obviously allows our defense to play less snaps, but, uh, you know, the defense also helped itself by, you know, and, being able to get off the field, there's still some missed opportunities, um, you know, that we that we'd like to have back. We got we have to continue to work on on the communication, the the uh, you know, the discipline, uh, the, the details of uh, trusting those fundamental fundamentals, and you know, finishing plays when we get the opportunity. I think there was a couple times we had to had them in the backfield and uh, allowed them to to extend the extend the drive. But um, you know, it's it's all in all, it was a it was an improvement in in all aspects. Um, you know, I think our guys. They embraced, uh, like I mentioned, Wednesday might have been our best practice since we've been here, and that was our third down, you know, red zone, uh, you know, emphasis. So it was good to see that show up in the game. Mike Norvell, obviously pleased to get the victory, but still needs to see a lot of improvement from his team. But uh, all you can do is win one game at a time. There were some bright spots last week. Lawrence Toafili, a bright spot. I'd say that continued this week. Jason Corman and LaDamian Webb showed what they can do. Jordan Travis with his mobility versatility at quarterback especially if he's going to give you something out of the passing game really makes the offense uh, gives the offense a chance to be much more productive we saw better play from the receivers offensive line the parts were flying all over the place including at the start of the game 
where they had made several changes. Keith and I will get into that when uh, when he joins the show. Defensively, Asante Samuels, the second, uh, got another pick, continues to be among the, the nation's leaders, may, may lead the country in picks right now, led Florida State in tackles. You had Josh Kando back out there. That was good to see. Marvin Wilson had to sit the first half, did get in there in the second half and got a sack. Again, it's Jacksonville State, 41-24 the final. We don't need to go over the play-by-play. But we do need to have the bigger picture conversation about how you might uh, work this offense going forward and if Jordan Travis is, in fact, your quarterback. So that conversation uh, will continue. When we continue, Keith Jones will join the show right after this on Front Row Knowles' First Look. Front Row Knowles' First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles' First Look, and this is where the show gets better because KJ's making an appearance. Keith, uh, we already heard from Coach Norvell. We got a much-needed win. So what if it was Jacksonville State all is right with the world? Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> uh, at the point that uh, you were at, all you needed was the win, and you needed to get some good stuff on tape that uh, you could use from a teaching standpoint because, as we've talked about, uh, the best – uh, education is when you show your kids on your tape doing the right things. And we saw that. And I'm sure Coach uh, Norvell and his staff, uh, first of all, I commend them for being willing to make some changes. They started tape. Uh, I, I, I understand he didn't, didn't do well on the first series and had two or three more, I think four total. But then they were also willing to go with, uh, uh, with a change with Jordan Travis and I thought Travis really stepped up and played very well. I thought, I thought uh, Dillingham did a great job in his play calling to those strengths that were um, Travis's. And uh, I hate it for Blackman, uh, but, but remember this, and our, our, our fans and our listeners need to understand, you're going to need James Blackman somewhere down the road because Travis is going to get hurt or Tate's not going to be able to be uh, there available. You're going to need James Blackman. You need him on the sideline. You need him in the, in the quarterback room. You need him in the locker room. You're going to need him on the field going forward. And uh, it's just a good night to see Florida State finally achieve some success. Certainly was. So Tate Rodemaker looked like a freshman. I'm not sure when they told him that he was going to start. It may not have been until yesterday or early today. He did get four series, early Saturday, I should say, through the pick six, took – a couple of sacks and, and looked like you'd expect a freshman to, I mean, the story's Jordan Travis, but just to finish the Tate sentence here, he looked like a freshman that's a month into his college football career and, and playing in the second game of his life uh, at the college level. But he showed you a couple of things and we saw these in the Miami game as well. Uh, he didn't let that pick six um, ruin his complete attitude. Uh, he did come back in. He did hold the ball a little bit, as you mentioned, took some sacks but I was still very pleased with what I would call his attitude and his ability to forget. And that's one of the things that Coach uh, Norvell and his staff has preached over and over and over again. Don't let one bad play become two or three bad plays. Uh, there's nothing worse than a pick six. That's, that's the worst thing. That's like throwing up a, uh, a fastball down the middle that somebody hits out for a grand slam. But you got to come back, and he did that. He became the first true freshman to start at quarterback since the guy he replaced, James Blackman, did it in 2017 <laughs> when he had to step exactly. in when DeAndre Francois got hurt. 
one of the criticisms or one of the thoughts that's gone into the James Blackman if you, uh, situation, if you listen to conversation from fans and whatnot, is just, uh, you know, you can re- he, he, he just got burnt too early. You know, they put him in there before he was ready, and he's just never recovered and evolved, and we don't have to debate that now. But it's interesting that then you start a guy and you have to be very careful in, in, in Tate that you don't want to do the same thing if you believe that's what happened to Blackman. So I thought they did what they needed to do today. They gave him a fair shake. They weren't going to pull him after – the pick six. They gave him three. They gave him four drives. It wasn't working. We'll see him again down the line. So let's talk Jordan Travis now, though. One of the interesting things that Mike Norvell said in the post game is that they didn't even know if they'd have Jordan Travis available today. He was, and Jordan said that as well. I talked to him on the network post game. Uh, he didn't practice that much. He was nicked up against Miami, and so for him, I know it's Jacksonville State, so we can pump the brakes a little. But nevertheless. Uh, you know, playing well on Saturday is about getting the repetition during the week. And if he didn't have that many reps and, and was able to do that, I, I think you got to tip your cap to him. Agreed. And certainly his upside is much greater uh, given that fact. But remember the one thing that we have to worry about, and you don't ever want to label a player as being quote unquote prone one way or the other. But, um, you know, Travis does and has had some issues with hamstrings, and some other things. So, you know, it's it's not a done deal that he can play the, the remaining, what, seven, eight games you've got left. And, again, I go back to the fact you're going to need James Blackman somewhere down the road. Uh, I have every uh, reason to believe his attitude will stay great. That's just the kind of kid he is. But this was a needed change for Florida State, and I think our fan base saw that. So let's go with the obvious here, Keith. We've seen Jordan Travis run the football and run well and be electric. But all of the questions have been, can he throw the football? Can he throw the football? Can he throw the football? I made the comment earlier, nobody's going to suggest that his arm is Dan Marino's or John Elway's or a big arm. But if he can do what he did against Jacksonville State, and I know that the throws won't always be as open as they were in that game, if you actually have to defend the pass and the run against Florida State and him being a dual threat, that opens up an awful lot for the offense. Well, let's think about two things as it relates to Norvell's offense. Number one, you're not required to be Dan Marino or Elway or anybody else. What you're required to do is make decisions. That's the first thing you're required to do. And I thought, for the most part, he needs some more reps, he needs some more times, but on the RPOs, I thought he did a good job of making decisions. Secondly, in this offense, you're going to ask your quarterback to throw the ball on the run. He can do that. Now, does he need to improve as a quote-unquote pocket passer? Absolutely. But, again, our listeners know, and and they're going to reach through their their units and try to grab me by the throat when I remind them of this, but not last spring, but the spring before. I was the first one who said I thought Travis threw the ball extremely well and that he had a great upside. He's just been hampered. He hasn't had the reps. Those that knew him from high school – will tell you he can throw the ball quite good. He's just not had enough time and enough uh, snaps to, to fit into any offense. Let's hope that is the case. Well, look at this fall alone. I mean, he had three practices in the spring. In the month of August, as best we know, he missed two weeks of fall camp. If he didn't practice much this week because of an ankle, I mean, he probably hasn't been out there since the team started practicing much more than maybe some ballparking, but 60% of the time since they, they opened camp in late July or early August. 
maybe not that much. I mean, literally, yeah. he may have only had 12 or 13 practices under the Norvell offense. He kept him ahead of the chains. And the fact that if you get to a third and two, you don't have to hand it off. I mean, the defense really has to wonder, is it going to be him or is it going to be the running back? It just makes it that much easier to move the chains. And I'll say this, he's not just a has some wiggle in his fast, make you miss guy. He'll get the tough yard too. We saw that several times in that game against Jacksonville State. I go back to the decision-making in the RPOs, the ability to throw the ball on the run. He has a great awareness of situations, that situational awareness that Coach Norvell talks about. There were a couple of times on third down where he had to put his head down because he knew he needed the extra yardage for that first down. That's a, that's a trait, that's a, uh, an ability that sometimes it takes a long time for quarterbacks to get a feel for. He seems to have great situational knowledge and situational awareness, particularly as it relates to getting first downs. So Florida State goes to Notre Dame next week. Keith, is Jordan Travis the starting quarterback? Yes. Now, does that mean Florida State's going to win? No, I'm not so sure, if, if, if at all. But I think you found somebody you can start building upon, um, and I hope they'll stay with it. By the way, here's something we need to look out for, and I have not looked it up. Jayshon Corbin – I'm assuming he's probably been a running back his whole life. But when they go to the Wildcat, and he's the Wildcat QB, and they bring in the freshman linebacker, DJ Lunday, as a, as a blocking back, Travis goes over and he stays on the field as a receiver. So you can't tell me there's not something designed out of that little Wildcat. You can, you can well imagine that uh, Kenny has got some, some card up his sleeve that they'd like to use that in some way, shape, form, or, form or fashion. If nothing else, a jet sweep or a reverse. But as you're alluding to, maybe getting the ball to him in the air. We've got a lot more to talk about on the offensive side of the ball. But as we finish up this segment, anything else about Jordan or the quarterbacks in general right now? Obviously, we didn't see Chubba Purdy. He warmed up. He's, he's been out there the last two games in the pregame. We just don't know where he's at, both in terms of physically, do they want him to take contact? And also, how behind is he for missing the time he missed with his injury? The, the one thing, and it won't be quarterback related, but the one thing that jumped out at me is – you know, this whole concept of running back by committee, I'm not a big fan of. I'm an old-timer. You know, I think you ought to get somebody back there and get him 20 or 25 touches. That's just not the way Coach Norvell's offense is set up, and that's fine. He's the head coach. But for the first time, very small sample size, but for the first time, we saw what it's like and what it means and what, what, what Mike is intending to try to do because he ran all three of the tailbacks, you know, more than a couple of three times a piece. And um, that was quite encouraging. Florida State finally getting the running game going. They finished with, uh, what, 260, 263 yards of rushing uh, for the game. And, again, I know it's Jacksonville State, but when's the last time we've seen that kind of production on the ground by any Florida State offense? Good question. We'll take it. We'll continue the conversation about the running backs when Front Row Knowles' first look rolls on after this. Front Row Knowles' first look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles' first look, we come your way every Sunday morning, and then again Mondays at 6. This truly is a first look. Matter of fact, uh, as I'm talking right now, I'm still in the radio booth at 
Bill Campbell Stadium, Bobby Bowden Field. So to your point about the running backs that you were making, Keith, Lawrence uh, Toafili had 12 totes for 99 yards, just missed his first 100-yard game of his brief career. Jay Sean Corbin had 14 carries for 63 yards. LaDamian Webb, 10 carries, 55 yards. He had two touchdowns. Toafili and Corbin had one touchdown apiece. And Jordan Travis had 48 yards rushing in a touchdown. So all of them averaged uh, four and a half yards per carry or better. Toafili was at over eight yards per carry. If you're going to have that many weapons, it does make it a lot more interesting uh, and, and more difficult to defend for the other team. Very much so. And, and again, when you add, as you say, uh, Travis to the mix, you, you have the equivalent of four running backs, and you can keep them fresh. Uh, I, I was impressed with all of them in terms of their pass protection. Uh, I think Toa Philly was the only one who actually had a catch out of the backfield. But they all can catch the ball when it's uh, you know called when they're called upon to do it. It was just uh, it was a good all round effort by that segment. You, have you developed a favorite out of that stable of running backs so far? And what we've seen from mainly from those three? Well, uh, the only one that's become my favorite is is uh, uh, Tofili because he's the only one with a nickname that we've been able to use. You know, LT. Uh, during the broadcast, uh, I was wondering if any of anybody was come up with LD for Ladamian, and, and I don't even know if Corbin has a nickname. So uh, I guess right now, just for the name reason and, and the fact that uh, you know he averaged eight point two yards per carry in this contest, I'm gonna go with LT. You know, LT is a tough. Uh, it's a good set of initials if you're a running back, but it's a tough set to own uh, given there was a pretty good LT at the pro level. So let's not put him there yet. But I, I met him this past week because he was on inside Seminole football with coach Norvell, very polite, well-spoken kid, six uh, one, but he's almost, he's almost wiry. You would not look at him and say, that's a college football running back. Yet when you watch him run, he's got a toughness to him that I think it's unexpected for his frame because he's not thick and yet he still moves the pile forward or drags a guy forward a few yards. He does have some power. The, the biggest thing that that does, particularly early in your career, Tom, is that's due to your balance. You know, the, the ability to not get too far over your feet or too far behind so that you can maintain that power. And that's just kind of an innate type of ability that he seems to possess here early in his career. Jay Sean Corbin, meanwhile, he's the wildcat guy that we talked about. He gets the tough yard. I'll give him credit for that. And LaDamian Webb, we didn't see play last week, but but he ran hard too. Now, I don't know if it will be as evenly distributed as what it was on Saturday, 12, 14, and 10. But I do think we've seen through three games of the Mike Norvell era that he's going to get three tailbacks in there, to your point. It's, it, it's not the Greg Allen days, you know, that followed your playing career. It's a different era now. Very much so. And again, for those of us that are a little older, we're just, we're just going to have to buy into it and learn to live with it uh, because that's the route that, that, that Mike likes to go. And and if this is an indication of what they can do, uh, then it won't take me long to buy in. Keith, the offensive line, we don't spend a lot of time talking about them. It's hard as a layman to watch the game and get a true assessment there. But I'll say this. They really made significant changes to the OL today, and I, I'm going to try to capture them here. So Andrew Baselli was a backup center that they started at left guard. Bavian Johnson was the starting right guard that they moved back to starting center. Devontae Love-Taylor was the starting right tackle that they moved to right guard. And Robert Scott Jr., a freshman, made his first start at right tackle. So the only person that stayed in the same spot as the first two games was Darius Washington at left tackle. 
unfortunately, Darius went down with what looked like a pretty significant injury based on the fact that he put no weight on it when they helped him off the field. Then that's when the rotation changed even more. They put Chaz Neal in at left tackle for a little bit. But before all was said and done, they had moved Devontae Love-Taylor, who's been a starting right tackle, played right guard Saturday. They moved him to left tackle. Bottom line, because I've lost track of where I am now, Keith, they don't have all the parts and pieces they wanted, but they're not shy about making some adjustments to, to try and tinker. Well, and that was how I began my comments uh, last segment. You know, uh, it's hard for a coaching staff, particularly a first-year coaching staff, to not try to be what they want to be. And, and it's very difficult to be as creative and as flexible as it appears this staff has been. There will be some that will critique that or criticize it and says, well, that means they, they did a poor job of evaluation during fall camp. But the reality is they've now got and, – and Coach Norvell's talked about this. Coach Atkins has talked about this. They want seven or eight guys that they know they can count on. And they don't necessarily require them to play in the same position every time. They cross-train them. Uh, they do things a little differently than maybe the old school or the book would tell you. And I think they're finally honing in on who those seven or eight kids are, and they're not afraid to switch around if and when they need to. I thought Baselli, you know, when he, he went out, his injury was going to be pretty severe, but he came back into the ball game, and, and that was a good sign. So, uh, again, just a different approach, a different way of doing it. And if you can get the results, again, recognizing it was Jacksonville State, but if you can get the results, uh, then I, I'll buy into the system. I think Robert Scott Jr. will we'll have to see. Uh, he was probably asked in the postgame. I didn't hear his comments, Coach Norvell's comments about how he did. And I'm not sure what was up with Dante Lucas, who had been the starting left guard. He didn't play tonight. Maurice Smith didn't start, but then when they needed a, a center, they put him in there. So, anyway, uh, still a work in progress. We'll be saying that for a couple of years on the offensive line, although there are – you know, they keep playing these young guys. They do have some talent. I mean, there, there's three – Darius Washington, and, and we'll see how significant that injury is. But even Dante Lucas, when he comes back as a sophomore, Marie Smith is a freshman. Uh, Robert Scott Jr. played some. So, I mean, you got three or four young guys you can, you can build with. Agreed. And, again, if you looked at those seven or eight that we're talking about, uh, probably five of them are freshmen and sophomores, if not more. Two other notes on the offensive line. So Brady Scott was not available. He was not dressed out. Not sure his status going forward uh, in terms of what, what the injury is he's dealing with, assuming that's what it is. And, uh, you know, Chaz Neal, when they put him in at left tackle, they also put a tight end over him uh, at that point to, to offer him help right away. That was something that was pretty obvious. Looking at the rest of the offense, Keith, Ontario Wilson had a really nice game. Tamari and Terry came back. He had six targets, six catches noticeably absent was Warren Thompson. I don't recall seeing him out there very much. He did not have a catch in the game. Part of it was that Florida State had two backs in the backfield more than they had previously at times, so they weren't necessarily uh, as many multiple receiver sets. But, but uh, nevertheless, I, I, you know, and I, I think this goes back to the quarterback, Keith, but when the offense is moving and it's kind of in the flow and you're ahead of the chains and you're, you've got some momentum, I think, and you're spreading the ball around. I think everybody just feels more a part of it, and and as a result, when you look at the numbers, it reflects that. Very much so, and I don't know this to be a fact. Uh, I'll just venture my personal opinion as it relates to Warren. Just remember that Coach Norvell is very good at sending messages, 
and it's your responsibility to receive those messages. Didn't have a catch. Ontario Wilson had seven for 86. Keyshawn had three for 53. What did you think of Keyshawn in the return game, by the way? Very, very impressed. Uh, I thought that was an area that needed some improvement and got some improvement. And uh, I thought the punt effort was much better than maybe it's been the first two weeks as well. Keyshawn, there was one ball he should have just let go over his head probably early in the game. But we'll, we'll let him slide for that one, right? And there was another one that maybe he should have got to and, and he caught. Should have caught. He, he should have caught. caught. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, other than that, on the, on the, uh, you know what it is when you watch him from the booth, Keith? I don't know if this shows up on TV. On the kick, kickoff returns, he just, he's so small, he just kind of disappears into the scrum, and you're not really sure if there was a hole there. And then the next <laughs> thing you know, he's through the hole, and he's, he's just crossed right. the 30. Um, so, I mean, you got to be tough to be his size and be a kickoff returner. Without question. Without question. What else about offense? And then we'll talk defense and, and, and wrap things up in our last segment, Keith. Well, I, I thought the communication was much better. Again, no disrespect. Uh, obviously, in the Miami game, Coach Norvell was not calling plays. Uh, I thought they were much better organized. I thought the kids were much more in tune. And, of course, success will do that. And as you and I have been talking about, the biggest thing this team needs, particularly on the offensive side, is some success. And they finished the game with over 500 yards. They scored over 40 points. Hopefully that will be a good building block for these kids in the uh, above-the-shoulder category. They wound up with 10 penalties, although really for most of the game, it, it felt to me like the, the, the penalty number was pretty low. And then the fourth quarter, I don't know if there was a little bit of a mental lapse, but the penalties added up. But I only recall one, there was a – a snap infraction on the center, but I don't remember false starts. There haven't been lineup issues. And, and, you know, in spite of the different personnel groups, um, that's been pretty, pretty well orchestrated and executed so far this year. And the holding calls haven't necessarily been against the offensive line. They've usually been on the outside when they're doing the bubble screens, tunnel screens and that type of thing. Yeah. They got love Taylor for one today, but you're right. Um, I, I really did like the RPO game, by the way. Uh, you know, just the, just, just give it the quick throw to the sideline, let the receiver get six or eight yards. Yeah, it's still a little too slow developing. Uh, they'll get better at that. And uh, for the first time, I, I'm going to remind ourselves that, that that RPO is based off the old Veer concept. And it takes a while. That's, it's much different than the wishbone, and, and, and it's kind of different than the triple option. But being able to ride the belly of that uh, out of the pistol formation in particular or if they're on a, on a sidecar one way or the other and coming back across, that takes some time to get down. That takes some time to get used to. It takes some time to do it well. Uh, we need to be patient with it. Florida State wins it 41-24, to 531 yards of offense, and it was a balanced attack, 268 through the air, 263 on the ground. Good solid effort all the way around as Florida State gets the first win of the Mike Norvell era. We'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about the other side of the ball. That's when Front Row Knowles' first look continues right after this. Front Row Knowles' first look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. This is Front Row Knowles' first look and not exactly a lot of suspense is going to hang in the balance on this one, Keith, but it's Time for our Prime Meridian Performer of the Game or Performance of the Game, and I'm really struggling to imagine who this might be in this game. Tommy, you and I have been doing this way too long. You know exactly who it is. We're going to take our hats off of the Prime Meridian 
bank performance of the game to Jordan Travis. He finishes the game after coming in in the fifth series. He was 12 of 17 for 210 yards, including a touchdown, no picks, along of 48. He also had, let's see here, how many, how many rushes did he have? 11 rushes for 48 yards as well. Average 4.4 yards on the ground. So hats off to uh, Jordan Travis. He is our Prime Meridian Bank performer of the game. Remember Prime Meridian Bank for business checking, personal checking, home equity lines, home mortgages, two locations in Tallahassee, Thomasville, excuse me, Timberlane Road, and Capital Circle Northeast branches in Lakeland and in Crawfordville. You can reach them at uh, 907-2300 or check them out on the web at trymybank.com. Prime Meridian Bank, member FDIC, equal housing, uh, equal opportunity lending. Great, great institution and a great, great performance by Jordan Travis. Keith, give us that phone number one more time. We got hit by Zoom garble. 907-2300. Thank you, sir. Good job. Jordan Travis, not only, you know, it's going to be tough for Jordan, but uh, he got that honor. He also got the sledgehammer break the rock honors in the locker room after the game, deservedly. So even Coach Norvell said it was a pretty easy decision for him uh, this week (laughs) to give him those honors. All right, let's talk about defense, Keith, because defense already behind seven zip on a pick six. Then they give up a scoring drive. Next thing you know, it's 14 zip, and you're thinking, what's going to happen here? So general assessment of the defensive play. Well, we've got to remember that in game one, they went up against a freshman, but it was very, very highly tallied. In game two, they've gone up a guy against a guy that could, could contend for the ACC Player of the Year. Uh, and Zarek Cooper, if our fans were not aware, remember he was a transfer, excuse me, a, yes, a transfer from Clemson, or at least a commitment to Clemson. During the ball game, he went over 7,000 yards in passing, in career passing. He finished the game 22 of 30 for 232 yards. He is a good quarterback as well. Now, you're going to face a bunch of good quarterbacks over the course of the year. But Florida State drew three pretty good ones in their first three ballgames. I thought towards the middle of the second, half, uh, second quarter, particularly with adjustments coming out of the third, out of halftime into the third quarter, the defense played much better. And I really liked the fact that it appeared that uh, Adam was, was dialing up a little more pressure. And they were trying to crowd at the line of scrimmage. They were challenging a little bit more. I think the defense took a step forward. Again, recognize that it's Jacksonville State, but also recognize you're going up against a good signal caller and Cooper. So it wasn't like um, it wasn't a test. And I think they did pretty good. They didn't do great, but I think they did pretty good. Bear in mind that the tackle position, which was probably the deepest position on the team, they played without Robert Cooper, who was in a sling. And I don't know his status, but – he wasn't available Saturday, and Marvin Wilson was finishing up his targeting foul, so he didn't play in the first half. Uh, it was good to see Josh Kando back, and I know Kando is not Brian Burns, who's going to put up 14 or 16 sacks. You could see that he's a veteran, though, who can set the edge, and that was missed last week against Miami. So getting him back out there, it's not the thing that shows up on the stat sheet, but he did a nice job. I agree. He is very, very good against the run. He is an adequate pass rusher, but he's very, very good against the run. And Florida State certainly mi- pardon me, missed him against Miami, and he was very, very uh, stout. Maybe didn't have the biggest number of tackles, uh, but uh, the coaching staff will recognize, the players will recognize him setting that edge. 
Asante Samuel II led the team in tackles, I believe. He got another interception, so that's three. I think he's leading the country right now, depending on what anybody else did on Saturday. But he's certainly among the nation's leaders. Now, Keith, you you would have liked to have had a ball thrown to you like the one he had thrown to him today because it was just a matter of making sure that you didn't drop it. But Don't nevertheless, it. nevertheless, he gets credit for it, and he's, he's, he's played very well this year. Well, it takes a certain talent to get in the right position for the quarterback to throw it to you, okay? They don't intend to do that. Uh, but uh, hats off to him. He had, he had a well of a ball game. And, um, and, I, and I think he's deserving of a little bit of those accolades with those three picks. Hamza Nasraldine was not dressed out again, so Florida State didn't have that option. Uh, and then Travis Jay, should point out, was not available. That's why Keyshawn Helton was returning kicks. So it changed the safety rotation a little bit. We saw Cyrus Fagan get out there more than we've seen him previously. Secondary in general, your thoughts as a former safety? Again, I, I think it, you have to couch it in terms of what they're being asked to do. Uh, my personal taste is we're still playing too much zone. I would like to challenge uh, offenses a little bit more, but – you know, uh, defensive staff will have to get comfortable doing that. Uh, I thought that they were adequate when they were in the zone protection, but I thought they played very well when they were in man. And it was good to see Cyrus back out there. You're going to need some more depth. I'll be glad when Jay gets back. Uh, he seems to be really, really talented around the ball. Um, I thought Dent had a reasonably good game. Uh, he made a couple of really nice open field tackles. So I think they're coming along. They still got a lot of work ahead. And they're certainly going to get tested next time out against Notre Dame. But I like the fact that they're making improvement. Let's go back to the pass rush, Keith, because we've seen this. It's Everybody's doing it in college football. But the ball's coming out in two seconds on these. I mean, these are – I mean, it's, it's three-step drop. They're quick slants. They're quick hitches. They're quick outs. Yes, Florida State hasn't gotten to the quarterback, but at the other hand, I mean, the ball is coming out before the world's best pass rushers would get to the quarterback. So what? how do you defend that? You, you crowd receivers at the line of scrimmage. You go more man coverage with zone over the top. You don't blitz. You bring four, but you crowd the receivers and the slot guys at the, at the line of scrimmage. And again, my personal opinion, Florida State is off of them five and seven yards, and that makes the slants and the, and the pick plays – and I'm not saying that, 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 I mean, a pick play is a pick play. If you run it correctly, you don't get flagged. It's only when you run it incorrectly that you get the flag. Well, if you're on top of people and you're playing buddy system on the outside where I take the first outside cut, you take the first inside, you can start eliminating some of that. And I think you'll see Florida State doing more in that as they get more comfortable with this defense. Keith, it's only a pick play when the other team got away with it, as Jacksonville State did that one time on Saturday. Well, they ran it well enough that there was not a flag, so the answer to what the, you will. The answer to the question I posed is what you're saying is Florida State needs to walk its corners up to take away Correct. that. And, and I think you've said this before. Now, now the flip side would be the, the counter to that is all of a sudden it's a double move, and, and now you're, you may give up a 70-yard touchdown. But you know what? Uh, instead of bleeding a slow death, maybe sometimes that would be a better result. <laughs> well, again, if I'm rushing four – I can usually, you know, play bump and run and have a safety over the top. It's only when I've got a blitz that I've right. got to ask that safety to come down and cover that slot receiver. So maybe a combination of two and disguising it as best you can uh, is a formula that will work for you as well. 
So we've gone the whole show, and I've managed to not bring up Notre Dame, so I'll do so now, Keith, with about three minutes left. Uh, Notre Dame at night, South Bend. Notre Dame's had three weeks to get ready, although, to be fair, they haven't been able to practice for some of that time because they had to shut things down because of COVID-19. But this is not a game that uh, anybody's going to think Florida State's going to win. So how do you start? Certainly coming off a win for Florida State, as silly as it sounds, they're going to feel better about themselves going into practice this week, and that's not insignificant. Not at all. So how, how do you, you go up there and you play them? You know, Florida State has beaten Notre Dame three out of the last four times, if my memory serves. So it is something you can do. Um, it's one of those games where you're going to be the underdog. You will be playing at night. You'll be in a hostile environment to whatever degree of fan attendance that they have. At this time of year, the weather might even be an issue. I mean, the temperatures could be in the 30s. and We haven't seen any of that in North Florida, uh, at least uh, to date. But you still got to play, Tommy. So you just go out there and play. And um, the last time Florida State had three weeks off, what was that, three seasons ago, four seasons ago? They didn't play particularly well that next week out. So, you know, you play a game or two, and then you got to sit for three weeks regardless of the reasoning uh, that's that's unusual. That gets you out of sync. There, there's a lot of positives. Do I think Florida State will go up there and win the ball game? I'm not willing to bet on that yet. But do they? Can they go up there? And should they go up there and play much better than they've shown? Yes, I believe they can, and I believe they will. Well, let's certainly hope so. And I don't know. I've not been following the Notre Dame situation that closely. They got back to practice late this past week, but I think they do still have some guys out. But as to who they are and who's been missing time. That's the detail I don't know. I, I do know this, going back to what the theme of the show has been, if you've got a dual-threat quarterback, a legitimate dual-threat, I mean, if you have to game plan against Jordan Travis throwing the football and running the football, it just became a lot more difficult to defend Florida State. Now, this offense still has a, you know, it has a long way to go, and Notre Dame has a very good defense. Very much so. But remember, too, this offense has not shown all the things that it's capable of doing. Uh, you know, uh, what, what, what Kenny and his, his staff can put together is much broader than what they've been able to show so far. So you put a few more wrinkles in, things that maybe haven't been seen before. You've got, as you mentioned, the dual threat at the quarterback position. Um, you know, you, you've got Terry finally getting his legs underneath him. Uh, Keyshawn is, is continuing to show improvement coming off of that leg injury. Your offensive line is not good, but they're getting a little better. and they're, they're going to be able to play with a little confidence. You know, it should be an opportunity for you to go up there and show something, even if you don't win the ball game. You should continue to be able to show improvement. And right now, I'd encourage all of us, our fans, myself, you, all of us, to be patient. And what we're looking for is improvement from game to game. Sounds good, Keith. What we bring you this week is pretty much the status quo, and we'll do it again Wednesday at 6. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. Maybe we'll improve, maybe not, but we'll be there. We are dependable. We're reliable, if nothing else. We'll come your way. And, and coachable. We're certainly coachable. Wednesday at 6, Front Row Knowles. Thanks for tuning in. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Have a great day.